it's your girl Nella Rose and welcome to the Red Carpet Treatment, brought to you by the Brit Awards with MasterCard. Today we have a very, very, very special individual. Not only has he been in the industry for 11 years, he was part of an amazing duo called Rizzle Cakes, but he's now gone on to smash it in his solo career. Not only is he an actor, he's an amazing presenter. We have Jordan Stevens! <laughs> that was a lovely introduction, thank you very much. Thank you, hi friend. 11 years, 11,000 years actually. Does it feel like that? Yeah, I've been in the industry for 11,000 years. 11,000 years. Mm. But you're smashing it though. Yeah, I think I've had a good few years. Mm -hmm. You actually have a show on ITV called Don't Hate The Players that I featured in. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hello, hi. We are very lucky to have you on Don't Hate The Players for sure. So obviously you was part of like an amazing duo, Rizzle Kicks. Mm. Hello. But obviously now you, you have a solo career. Yeah, man. The whole thing with Rizzle Kicks was a uh, happy accident, I guess, in that I knew I wanted to be successful. Mm -hmm. So we did work very hard when we were 17, 18, mm -hmm. but um, it was quite astronomical how it happened with us. It was through YouTube, it was, it was I met this guy, this wedding photographer who had this camera, that a Canon 5D that could do shallow depth of field, which in 2010 that was, was wild. Whoa. Yeah, now you can just do that on your phone. But it was like, wow. So um, we did that, we put the video up, you know, it went viral for what we consider as like 100,000 views. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, we got a record deal. And then, you know, we put out a song, Down With The Trumpets, and people liked it, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so, but we got thrown into this pop stardom and it was fun, but I never really intended to be a pop star. So mm -hmm. we took a break. And in that time, I couldn't not make music. I, I've always made music, so I did it under all these different names. I made like a grungy funk album under with a band called Wildhood, which happened after. It's like the opposite <laughs> of Rizzle Kicks. And then more recently, yeah, I released music under my own name because yeah, in February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, because I just wanted to. Do you know what it is? Mm. I music at the moment for me is a hobby because mm. there's a lot of new artists coming up right now who haven't had a taste of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Who are coming into it, they're on their, their come up yeah. and I can see they're hungry and they're doing like 95,000 TikToks a day. I and, know, uh, yeah, that's you know the I mean? new thing to make it, make your song trend on TikTok and you've yeah. made it. And they're just like out here, when, whereas with me, I guess because I have, I feel like maybe a tiny bit jaded based off of like, so I just want to release music because I love making music and whoever hears it, I'm happy mm -hmm. that they've heard it. Um, and I want it to be a sonic footprint, so like, whenever something else happens, if I do something else in my career, if it's acting, writing, mm -hmm. you know, if one of the songs does land off another record or in the future, if there's RK or whatever, mm -hmm. I want people to know that in 2022, I released this album and it's, and it's great. And let's talk about the title. Would you like to elaborate on that a little bit, Jordan? Yeah. My solo album is called Let Me Die Inside You. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So like, you say 11 years in the industry, yeah, but I also feel like I have gone through bouts of reclusion like, I, like as a recluse I can be quite elusive sometimes yeah. I mean I guess we were all recluses for a couple of years Literally. but you know I, I was reading a lot listening to a lot of things around death I guess and yeah. and no but like yeah. like everything is just about sex and death do you know what I mean mm -hmm. and listen in uh, French what is it le petit mort is that right le petit, le petit mort? mort it's what they say about that's le what they call the climax yeah <gasps> The little death, right? Le petit mort. So I, th I, I love that phrase. So I would. You love it. 
I love the phrase. That's absolutely but fine. But they would say that <laughs> orgasm is the is is an, is a is a small experience of what happens when you die. Let me. No, no, that's just one of the die inside of you. It's all clicking. No, no, listen. That's one of the potential meanings. It's just me engaging with that. Listen, a lot of things happen because of sex, relationships, love, intimacy, fallouts. Mm -hmm. It's all, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a big motivator in life. Mm -hmm. But then also, there's the idea of, of my perception of people. So like, if you've broken up with a person or then your idea of them has to die inside you. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. So I'm saying to another person, let, let your memory of me die inside you. Yeah, so like that That's was that was the deep. idea. But then also, I don't know why I overexplained it because I wanted it to be like all arty and people come up to that own conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That was like really the idea. Like, well, what does it mean? You tell me. Okay, so now I want to know about the creation process of that. Then I was just making a bunch of songs and the songs were good, and then I thought, well, I should probably put them out because it would be a shame because I've done that before. I've made albums and never released them. I've got two How albums many? I've never released. Two. Yeah, it's sat there. Yeah, for various reasons, I just went through stuff in my life around that time and I never got out and I overthought it and whatever else. So I promised myself. Mm -hmm. I would put out, I'd release the Sonic imprint. Mm -hmm. But the reason I came to that conclusion was just because also it's like a bit of a Larry name. Mm -hmm. People remember it. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, you can't really forget that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, the topic matter in the album, I'm talking about that. I'm talking about sex and death. I mean, that's just, maybe that's what I'll talk about forever. But I mean, I feel like you touch on other things as well. Okay. For example, you know, in your track, Feel Joy, yes. you said, I'm usually anxious when waking i'm usually stuck in the dark yeah so do you want to like expand on that lyric a little bit feel joy when i made that song i wanted to create a piece of music that someone could listen to the beginning of the day and just set, it sets the tone that's that's all i wanted and i think i often have days when i dip i'm a very dippy person same, so same. are you yeah because yeah. i bring because i'm like so enigmatic a lot of the time it's like crash. you're like a burst of energy all the time all the time and then you go into places and everybody expects you to be a burst of energy oh. and it's like you're always having to be that lovely jolly person and then some days you just crash, crash and then you crash and then you're in that moment for like days and days and days on end and then sometimes it's harder to wake up and like almost perform yeah basically yeah, yeah i go through that as well right so that so, so i know i'm aware of that feeling mm -hmm. and then coming out of that feeling sometimes there's even more complexity like you can come out and then I can start to feel good and maybe I'll overthink feeling good mm. so I just wanted to make a song Save. where I was oh just like I felt I heard that beat and I was like you know what maybe it's not complicated maybe it's just I'm gonna feel this joy in this moment because it's fleeting like everything joy is fleeting happiness is fleeting in the same way sadness is grief is it comes and it goes it's wave-like mm. so the idea is that song is to encourage someone to enjoy the feeling of joy in that moment, in the understanding that it will, it will disappear and dissipate like waves in the, in the ocean. And when you dip, and this is advice from me, like friend yeah, to friend, on. when you dip, like how do you, like do you have anything that you specifically do to get yourself out of that like mode? Yeah. Because it's hard. Especially when you have booked jobs that you have to show up oh to. Oh my God. And it's like, there's no way I cannot show up today. So it's like, I've got to do something to help myself feel like at least a little bit better. There's these rules, these tent poles in life. There's six tent poles, exercise, nutrition, sleep, creativity, community and solitude and, and nature. And these six things, if a, if a human being arguably has a good relationship with all these six things, they're usually quite balanced. And for me, if I'm starting to dip, I'll look back at these six things and one of them will be a little bit off. So I'll just work on trying to get that back on, basically. For me, 
my main practice with, with dipping is, is to accept that it's happening and for me to not identify with the dip. Do you get me? Yeah, so it's like I have to sit there and be like, I understand that in this moment, yeah. my energy is low. So I just have to like also ride that out and then just ensure that I'm doing what I can. So like maybe get a little earlier night mm -hmm. sleep, maybe make sure that I've eaten a good lunch. You know what I'm saying? Drink plenty of water. What is another one? Yeah. So basically paying attention to yourself and what you need in that time to make yourself feel better. So Jordan. Welcome to my Brittlewood red carpet. This is actually a carpet that you're very familiar with. Yeah, I guess. Because before I was born, uh, you actually presented <laughs> some red carpet stuff right? oh. back in 1990. You were born yesterday? No. I know, I was just wondering. I would never talk to you like that and I would never say that to you. You just said it. Okay, that's fine. Okay. I want to know, uh -huh. what's the difference between 20-year-old Jordan yeah. and 30-year-old Jordan when he steps out onto the red carpet. I mm. think when I was 20, um, I've never been totally overwhelmed. People shout at you and... The photographers, innit? Photographers look shout in, at you. Look in, look in, yeah, 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 I know. But I remember the first time we went on a red carpet, me and Harley didn't know what to do. We were at a premiere. We're thinking like, oh my gosh, we're yeah. like, like, these people invited us to watch a film. Literally, but then there's a carpet. There's a carpet, there's yeah. hors d'oeuvres, cocktails. Madness, yeah. And we walked down and then we get in front and then... One of the photographers goes, why don't you guys do something? Yeah. I've heard that one before. So what do we do? No. We're just like... <gasps> like some fucking Rush Hour 5 cover. And we're such goofballs, man. I mean, we still are goofballs, to be fair. So what made you want to karate chop the air like that? I guess the influence of, um, of early noughties Hollywood. The thing I feel most at 30 is just looking back and being like, I can't believe I was even in that situation at that age. Like, I just don't know, it was just like... <laughs> you are just winging life the whole Winging time. life! No, for real though! Yeah. Like, it's just all, it comes at you fast. And then I see artists now at that age and I'm just like... They know, got stylists, make sure that need your training, everything behind them. We did actually have people try and address us. Okay, so what would you define your style as right now? I'm at the moment going for lounge chic. I'm trying to find a place where like I'm comfortable, mm -hmm. but it's not, it's, you know, it's reasonably presentable, I guess. I feel like you have that clean look to yourself. Like you don't look scruffy. I do hate that think, look. I think I look scruffy. I don't think you do. Oh, but yeah, it's the best thing I've heard. Yay, and it's from me of all people. Oh yeah. <laughs> Wow. I mean, I, I don't know. I think I'm definitely like more comfortable and confident knowing what yeah. colours I like and that. So do you have any style icons, by the way? <laughs> um, Dennis Rodman. Is that a mad one? Uh, no, it's not a mad, but I just wouldn't expect it. Okay, Dennis Rodman. Do you know what I mean when I say that? I like, he's got like all the, the facial jewellery. Yes. So I feel like he wakes up and he just wears whatever he wants to wear. Because uh -huh. I feel like he's very open. With yes. like, I feel like there's no, there's no barriers to the clothes that he puts on. That's and what I, I like. I really like that about him. What I think is really odd about society is that there's all these agreed choices between <clears throat> men and women of like what's acceptable yeah. for each gender. And I understand... I understand everyone's desire for like tribal, you know what I mean? Like you can feel like so you're part of a group if you, if you do certain things. But I was raised by my mum to be a um, person who questions, who questions and, and I don't like getting told what to do. So it even gets to the point where like, if society is like, you as a man must wear this, yeah. part of me is like, well, I'm not gonna. Exactly. Because like, who's I gonna tell I love that by the way. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I think to myself, if like a man says, I wouldn't wear that because I'm a man, I think like, well, how strong really is that? 
Because true fearlessness yeah. would be like, no one can tell me what I can and can't wear. Period. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So when, I, when Dennis Rodman would rock up, like, I think he like wore a wedding dress and married himself one time. <laughs> and like, Legendary. And had like multi-coloured hair. And, and this guy has come from, you know, like the projects and um, played in, uh, he was a complete rock star to be fair. His lifestyle yeah. he was leading whilst playing for Bulls was crazy. Mm-hmm. But like, he was just like, you know, you can't say a thing to him. All right, so Jordan, are you ready for a little game? Yeah. So we are going to be playing a fun game of serve or swerve. So basically, I'm going to be going into the archives yes. <laughs> and we're going to be looking at some of your red carpet looks. And you need to tell me whether you want to serve them or swerve them. Okay, so this is you at the 2020 Brit Awards. Yeah. My personal favourite. Yeah. I just feel like you look like a villain, but in a good way. Hey, listen. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The villain, the villain vibe is is what we're all going for, isn't it? Of course. So here you're wearing a grey turtleneck yeah. with a black blazer and some like Elton John kind of glasses. <laughs> we love it. And you have your hair in two. I do have it in little two bunches. Yeah. I feel like you need to do this more often. It's too long now. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It is. It's too long to do the little what? bunches. The no, inches, no. the inches are too much. Oh, I know. Listen, <laughs> I always have the desire as well to just chop it, but like no, it's. We will, we will not be doing. You're gonna such fight a me thing. for that. Yes. Okay. Okay. It is. I'd say this is like if I'm gonna be objective, it is probably my most mature look that I did at the Brits. I remember Tiny Temper coming up to me and being like, "Oh, you're, oh Jordan. Every time I see you, recently you're doing bits." And then in my head, I'm like, suits are kind of dead, but. <laughs> I don't know, it's like, this is an example where it's like, that's the, that's the inner battle within me, yeah? Like, yeah. I know that this is a simple, effective look. A suit looks good, yeah? But mm. that little boy in me, that's like, F the system. Yeah. I sometimes see suits and I'm like, why is everyone wearing a suit? I'm not yeah, gonna wear a suit then. you wanna wear something else. Yeah, I wanna wear something else. You didn't just do it? I know, but that's why I didn't wear a tie. Oh. And, I, and you'd never see me, this mm. is, by the way, no offence to anybody who's chosen to do this, but mm-hmm. I, I, at this point in my life, I'd not be seen dead in a bow tie. I was having this conversation with my friends in the group chat. I'm so sorry. I was having this conversation with my friends in the group chat. It's okay. like, if I was to walk down the aisle and my husband was to turn around and he's wearing a bow tie, we're not getting married. What is that? I know. Why is there a fabric butterfly on your neck? What is that? <laughs> what is that? It doesn't make any sense to me. It's just like the black tie for makes me feel eerie, bro. It just feels mm-hmm. like I'm about to get like surrounded and like kidnapped or something. Yeah, like James Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so for this look, would you serve it or swerve it? Um, I, I think I'd serve it. All right, so are you ready for the second look? Um, from your expression, no. Right. Oh my God. This was you at the Brit Awards 2012. Okay, so this is what I mean about the, the posing. Yep. <laughs> you are wearing a burgundy hoodie, a mustard loose t-shirt, crinkled on iron jeans, <laughs> and grey vans with brown laces. <laughs> <laughs> So this look, were, were you at the actual Brit Awards? I was at the Brit Awards. Oh, okay. We were nominated that year. You, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> you were nominated and you wore this, Jordan. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, listen, when we like the one thing I will back about Rizzle Kicks mm-hmm. when we first came about. Well, at that time we were living in Brighton. We we both come out of North London. We moved to mm-hmm. Brighton. At, 10, 11 years old, right? So then like, we're by the seaside and when we dropped our first videos, we've all got the beach huts and then people associate that kind of, that youthful joyfulness with us. We're considered like happy hip hop, you get me? So like, this is the kind of, you know, mid tier look. (laughs) 
<laughs> that we would expect from someone who was rolling around, going out, yeah. and being generally like, you know, just like uni vibes. I don't know. I mean, yeah. neither of us, neither of us went to uni, but like, I like that. Mm-hmm. At that time, people could have been flexing, or I don't even know how much money we had at that point. I got no idea. It was just this whole wave we were on, and mm-hmm. um, we're not. We weren't looking to get watches or jump in nice cars. I mean, neither of us could drive, to be fair. But like, <laughs> but you know, this T-shirt that I was wearing, mm-hmm. in my mind, was balling. Right, because this T-shirt was Egyptian cotton. <laughs> oh yeah. So I'm going like, and this T-shirt we was can like, clearly see it's it was, Egyptian cotton. <laughs> right, it was fifty-five pound, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. I mean, listen, I, I wouldn't say I'd had my style awakening at this point. Mm-hmm. We had like opportunity to not dress like this. Yes. <laughs> but we chose to, and I think like you know. It's part of the journey. Is it a serve? It's a swerve, for sure. It's a swerve. Okay. Yeah, it's a swerve. Okay, so this is you at the Brit Awards in 2014. Oh, yeah. Now, you are wearing, like, a grey coat on top of a navy blazer. Are you wearing navy? Yes, navy. So a navy suit with a navy tie, shirt, and some brown smart shoes. I like this look a lot. Yeah, we definitely went for a smart look this time. We were, mm-hmm. trying, to, we were trying to get our shit together at this point. I feel um, like it looks really, really good. We had gone through the kind of like scruffy phase and then we were like, oh, maybe we're adults. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, Just yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah, maybe we're adults. <laughs> I remember Harley, who was previously known for like excessive print, mm-hmm. started being like, nah, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dress like the lead singer of maybe some kind of indie yeah. punk band. And then this jacket was made by Charlie... Casey Hayford, I think. He's, uh, I guess, an independent designer, or I don't know. Mm-hmm. But that was given to us by a stylist. We had a stylist then. Silver Spoon Attire, Damien and Abigail. Wow. And, and they gave us an option to, to actually step up. We were presenting the red mm-hmm. carpet that year. Listen, so this Brits, yeah, mm-hmm. I got so drunk um, in this Brit Awards. Everyone gets drunk at the Brits, though. I took my earpiece out when we were doing a live backstage show with Laura Whitmore, and then, and then I ended up trending on Twitter above Emily Sande, who had just performed at the Brit Awards because Jordan. I was such a mess. Yeah. And then they invited us back next year to do it again because obviously everyone loves the clicks. A, w- a win is a win. The win's a win. A win is but a win. But guess what they did the next year? What? They banned me from drinking. Oh, yeah, so the jacket made you The jacket drink, just, yeah? just gave me that drinky mm-hmm. vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just remember thinking, like, I could, you know, I feel so comfortable and wolf-esque that I think I'm going to annihilate myself. All right, so do you think this is a serve or a swerve? It's a serve. Period. All right, so Jordan, are you ready for us to play a little game? Yeah. I feel like you have loads of stories to tell. I love games too. Exactly. So basically, as you can see over here, I have a box. Yeah. A silver box. Yeah. And it's filled with props. Yeah. And basically, I'm going to be bringing out some props and you have to tell me the story behind it after you guess what the prop means to you. I'm ready to play. Okay. Right, so the first prop, I've got a mask here of Dark Vader. Dark Vader? Dark Vader? Darth. Darth Vader. But I mean, Dark Vader makes more sense. Yeah, Dark Vader still. <laughs> so, how do you think this relates to you, children? <laughs> I, w- I wonder what it, uh, yeah. I wonder what this means. Yeah, so, yeah, I was in Star Wars. I was in Star Wars Rogue One. Part of the requirement is you might have to be preparing like, audition scenes, yeah. do self-tapes, go through it. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. a natural process and loads of those I would never get. Mm-hmm. And the next thing I know, I'm at Pinewood Studios, sat there waiting for explosions to happen so I can meet this director. Sat there, Felicity Jones comes through. Riz Ahmed actually knew from back in the day because we used to do poetry together. And now he's like a huge Hollywood star. Yeah. 
And then I'm like, what is going on? And I honestly was so tripped out by the experience. I thought it was a joke. I thought I was getting pranked, bruv. And um, yeah, no, I was legitimately on a spaceship. I did feel a little bit like I'd won a competition. <laughs> like you was the kid that's like, hey, yeah, we've got the competition winner over there. Yeah, just because like the director was hardcore, man. Really? And um, yeah, there was like a whole, the, for a long time, I thought it was a mistake that I'd been cast and no one could... Um, <laughs> Undo the mistake, he's signed the NDA, he's on Bruh, set now. Literally, so. you know, even though I had lines that was so important to the plot of the story, mm. I could, I would have 100% made the film, but I was so freaked out by the experience that I didn't tell anyone either, by the way. Really? I didn't tell anyone. Like, I told like four people, like some, <laughs> not even my family, like people who were in my, my band, mm -hmm. I didn't tell. So like, Aww. people would text me like, bruv. Did you feel like the underdog in that situation? I only am now realising in the last couple of years, like, what even happened? I'm like, what, right, I was in Star Wars. Because people keep going on about it, and I'm like, no, that is actually quite impressive. It also, is. I had, like, a full name, Stored and Tonk, they called me. I'm in, the, <laughs> I'm, in the, I'm in the Rogue One book. There's even, like, a couple of figurines. Like, I got tr trading cards. Mm -hmm. I'm looking to do a Comic Con. You know your kids are going to be so set. It got puppets, mad. figurines. I know, but I haven't like, got any myself, but, like... Why do you not get this stuff for yourself? Because I'm just, like, I feel in life, Nella, I'm just, like, like floating through life, I'm just okay. surfing through life. And then these mad things happen and I just carry on surfing. No, because you need memorabilia so that you can show your kids, oh yeah, your dad, you know, your dad used to be But you know stars. what, I will, say, I, will say one, I will say one amazing thing about it, which mm. was great. It was, it was so humbling, Star Wars, because I'd get on there and I had a few lines, like a handful mm. of lines. I've been added in to the script to, to, because they were beefing up the plot. <laughs> and you had like Riz, Felicity Jones, Diego Luna, um, Donnie Yen, who's like a martial arts legend. Like there's all these people, he had like these robots knocking about, you know what I'm saying? And like, I, because um, I, I, I only had a few lines, I definitely wasn't considered like an important part of the set. I'm yeah. very early in the ladder of my acting career. And it was good coming off of the back of having a huge success in music yeah. to be in that environment and people kind of be, yeah. and the thing that summed it up for me was I was so, I remember I had my like, one of my first days of lines and it was just like so brash. Like, done the lines, move on. And I'm like, yeah. a billion people are gonna watch this and I had like three takes, right? <gasps> And then I remember right at the end of the job, and I found out who cast me. This woman told me she cast me because mm -hmm. she'd seen me in other things. This guy's just sweeping, yeah? This is mm -hmm. after two weeks of mayhem, all these A-list actors, and this guy's just sweeping, and he looks at me and goes, Rizzle Kicks. <laughs> after how long? Two weeks. Thank you. And I went, yeah, and he went, thought so. <laughs> and he carried on sweeping. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Was it. And I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you better know my name. Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. I know. So I feel like you're an amazing talker. Um, I don't know how you do it, but you did a TED talk. Oh yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. You did a TED talk called Everyone Loves an Underdog. I did do a TED talk, yeah. I did one called Everyone Loves an Underdog. I was asked to do it in Brighton. Mm -hmm. And the, the, it was about um, finding, finding parts of your life where there isn't so much pressure on the activity that you do so you can engage with it without expectation. Because I had found from my experiences in my life that, that the key to creative happiness mm -hmm. is low expectation. Facts. Do you know what I'm trying to say? To so achieve. like, yeah. the second that there's an achievement or whatever else, it's like there's an expectation or your Expectations are the quickest way to feel disappointed, especially yeah. great expectations, high expectations. So I was just kind of talking about how I found it enjoyable to explore different aspects of, of life where um, 
there wasn't so much stress or um, pressure. When I have like loads of expectations like of me, like for example, just silly things like being a girl walking a red carpet, it's like the hair, the makeup, the dress, mm. or, and it's like the expectations suck the fun out of things. Yeah. Like it sucks the fun out of, wait, I'm at a premiere and I'm about to watch this amazing movie before everyone else. I don't think about that anymore. It's all about the look, the hair, the makeup. So the expectations of everyone else ruins the moment. It messes with people's heads. And it'll be the same thing with like, I guess with YouTube videos, if you have one thing that pops off, 700,000 views, and you're going, and you didn't even mean for it to happen. You didn't even mean it. You're going like, wow, people are resonating. So then what happens? Then you start making another video with the expectation of having the same amount of views and it totally mars your idea. That's one of the hardest things creatively to get get around. Literally, and that pressure, because then if you don't outdo yourself, Mm. then it's like, oh, look, she couldn't even do it again. Yeah. And it's like, I didn't ask to go viral. Yeah, yeah, it's and mad. You, and then it's like you get that expectation and then everything just gets not funny anymore. Exactly. It's a mad amount of pressure. I might actually go and watch my TED Talk again because I legit can't remember it. That's absolutely fine. Alicia was honest about that. Thanks. We love honesty. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the next prop. A bottle and it's an essential oil called Meh. Why are you saying it like that? What does meh sound like? like? <laughs> M- oh, Oli <Ollie> Merz. <laughs> yes. Wow. What else? What other prop did you want me to get? Maybe like a Land Rover Discovery Sport or something. Oh, yeah, we could just get that I mean? driven in quickly. Bring that Essex energy. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. So this, was, this is going to be when we performed at the Brits with Oli. No, I was going to say your oh. collab with Oli Merz. With Oli Merz, yes. I, re- I recall mm-hmm. the first vivid memory that comes into my head is like, we would we were just blown up off down with the trumpets, mm-hmm. and we were like the new kids on the block, and like people are like, oh these kids, mad authentic coming out, but da 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 da, and then mm-hmm. boom, the big gun stepped to us, yo, yo, <laughs> Oli Merz has got his comeback single for his second album. Do you guys want to feature on it? Now listen, we know the deal here. Mm-hmm. Nella, we know the deal. We know the deal. We got the hype and, and the cred. And I remember being on sat on the train with a few of my friends. And I, Listen, we've always liked Oli. We said that because, you know, within the context of, a, of talent shows, mm. I thought he was a good performer. I liked his... He was amazing. I liked his life story in terms yeah. of being in a call centre and then he's yeah. popped up, you know what I mean, on his third attempt or whatever. I like all that shit. Mm-hmm. But he's undoubtedly, unashamedly a pop star. Yeah. And I remember my friends, you know, we were like, Oli, like, is that really the right... You know, like, is that really that? And I was like, um, yeah. I remember thinking, I like Oli, and I remember I said to him, it will 100% be number one. Yeah. I just knew. Mm-hmm. And then so we did it, and it was number one for a long time. And, yeah. and, it's, and it was a huge song. And then we, we I think, as Rizzle Kicks, were opened up into this mad market. Like, listen, Oli Murs, yeah, the mums love him, bruv. The mums? Listen, this guy's still touring now. It was a lot of fun. We did, we went on, we did some shows of him that we could get to. Mm-hmm. And Oli... You have to give credit where it's due. This guy's released like six albums, mm-hmm. had platinum, double platinum records. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we were very much part of that journey. So obviously, Heart Skip should be, <laughs> it was nominated for Best British obviously. Single. Obviously. It was, yeah, because I remember that. That's the best thing about it. You don't remember it. I don't remember you it. You don't remember it. But, but that's a big achievement, though. So big, yeah. And you, you didn't actually, win, though. <laughs> you didn't win. You didn't win, but you performed that night. We did. In front of the likes of Adele. Oh, really? And Bruno Mars. Yeah, I wouldn't know. And other stars. How would you know? Just zone out, didn't you? Wait, when you're on stage, you don't like look at the crowd and like point at people and just like vibe on stage. You'd think so, wouldn't you? 
So what do you just... To be fair, something like Brit Awards, though, there's so much pressure on it yeah. that you honestly, the lights are on you, it's dark in those front seats, you mm -hmm. know. But I do remember getting on stage and, and drinking excessively, yeah. But it was fun, it was great. Again, it was a good moment. Um, I remember we were really excited because we had our own Rizzle Kicks merch. Mm. And we were like, we're gonna get to win a merch on, <laughs> on telly. We're gonna like push the merch, which is on a hustle, like. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, it was, like, like I'm saying, it's a banging tune. Ollie's mm. a lovely guy, we love his team. It was cool to be part of the Brits like that. But yeah, my memories of the Brits are a little bit cloudy. You've, you've touched on a couple of things that I want to kind of like expand on. Yeah. So you touched on the fact that a lot of versions of yourselves have died yes. in the past. And then you've also touched on the fact that you was excessively drinking. Yes. But on, on such a big night where you were nominated for best British single yeah. and you're performing in front of stars that you you must have admired at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. So what, you know when you're at like the top of stardom and you know you're getting nominated, you're performing in front of celebrities, you've got the number one song. Yeah. Why, why was it that you felt the need to maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like use like alcohol as like a form of escapism? Because I think like when you say it like that, when you like break it down, mm. performing in front of da, da 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 da, like I know that I didn't even feel like that. I think what's interesting about, you know, what's interesting about young stardom, so what I find fascinating, mm. is that, and a friend of mine said this, or I think he did, but it's always stuck with me, it's like, a lot of us are, are creating music and, and working extra hard to be successful because we are trying to escape the situation that we're in. But, the initial success is, a means of escape. And I remember, you know, I wanted to get me and my mum out of the situation we were in. And you'll hear that with a lot of young people, but you're also, the trend with young people who have been exposed to notoriety and fame, mm -hmm. is that a lot of them lose their way, a lot of them get mashed up because yep. ultimately you move into that spotlight and you, how can you know who you are? Mm -hmm. How, and, Everyone's and telling we're misfits. You who you are. Listen, at secondary school, I was odd. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I remember I had like a couple of years of people thought I was cool. I mm -hmm. think I peaked in year eight. I was on the top of the mountain in year eight, Nella. And I was down, I was skiing downhill. And oh, I ended no. up at, a, I was skiing, I got to year 11 and people were like, who's this dude? I was like, I don't even know who this dude is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Went to college, thought I could start fresh. You know what I mean? Because I went to college in Croydon. So I had like a new leaf there. But, but then when, when I suddenly you're exposed to this and you have this like power and attention. All right. So are you ready for our next prop, my friend? Yeah, go on. Okay. Oh. So this is a blonde wig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it to do with a film? It is to do with a film. Okay, yeah. So that, a film that, that, is that you was phenomenal in. Have you actually seen it? I've seen bits of okay, it. Okay, yeah. Okay. You've seen a trailer, that's nice. I appreciate <laughs> the effort. I appreciate the effort. You starred in a movie called yeah. Tucked, yeah. where you actually played as a drag queen. Yeah. And they overlined your lips so much, I had to scream when I first saw it. But you looked really pretty though. I know. So how did you I get... I know. <laughs> how did you get that role? Did you... Like, did you enjoy filming? Yes. How did you get into the character? All right, Tucked was a situation where I'd already been challenging in my mind ideas around gender in terms of the pressures to look a particular way or, mm -hmm. or even how we determine sexuality, I've always found so fascinating. Like, mm -hmm. the fact that sexuality, when looked at through a female lens, is, is, is kind of fluid. Women can kiss each yeah, other or and touch, on out and, and, da, 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 stuff, and yeah. it's just like not a thing. But if a guy does it, then there'd be more questions about their orientation, this kind of yeah. stuff. And I just wondered about how that makes sense. And the script comes through and I was like, wow, I think this would be an amazing experience for me because I definitely have that, that desire in me 
already. Why, mm. Wouldn't it be great to dress in clothes that, that are like non-conformist or, mm -hmm. do you know what I'm saying? Or drag up or, like, I don't know, like, why not? Mm -hmm. That's how I felt about it. But I was aware that I had a responsibility to like, you know, not step into a scene mm. or world, you know, without there being some kind of due diligence or, or checking in. So I spoke to a few of my queer friends and people in that world and wondered like, is that, is that blessed if I, if I... The important thing about Tumblr is the story isn't specifically about the sexual orientation of my character, Faith. Mm. If it was, maybe it's a different conversation. It's the, the man. It's about the guy, yeah, it's yeah. just about a friendship. So I had three days to prepare for this film. It was shot in 10 days, the entire mm. thing was shot in 10 days. And yeah, I just got my heels on, man, and just like... And I just had this energy in me. I mm -hmm. think, men, I think all human beings have, a, have an access to and balance of masculine and feminine energies. Absolutely. And this gave me an opportunity to experience like that part of me that was already in that. I think mm -hmm. it's often silenced by the need to fit in or the, or the, the societal brainwashing, yeah. I guess. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I tell you what, there was one point when I was walking down Western Road in Brighton, which usually I would feel nervous about because uh, Rizzle Kicks, I guess, are quite well known in mm -hmm. Brighton specifically. And I was in these like really tight jeans and these fluffy wedges, mm -hmm. little ki Hello Kitty backpack or something. Mm -hmm. And I felt like a boss. Period. I felt like a boss. And then I was literally Big like, period. I was like, yo, I get this. You felt like a bad bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That feeling of, you know, getting I, glammed up and it's like nobody can talk to I me because I like, look really good, period. I was a little bit like, God damn, yeah. Mm -hmm. I just think it's really important as, an, as a note on that show that I wasn't pretending to be that character, do you know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. I actually was utilising that character for me to experience a part of me that's hard to mm. engage with usually just because of the way my life's set up and yeah. because I'm not necessarily frustrated with how gender is looked at because I understand mm. we're all part of the same system mm. but I know that particularly there's some cultural situations or, or depending on what spaces you're in you know men can be uncomfortable with the idea of a man dressing up in women's clothing and being straight mm. for mm. one or the idea of a man in makeup these kind of ideas or these experiences and I think that's a real shame but I feel like it's because society, they brainwash you from the day you're born. Mm. You literally come out of the womb and if you're a boy, you get dressed in blue and you get all these toys. And if you're a girl, everything is pink. And then as you grow up, you get given Barbies and the boys are told to go play football. So it's like you're literally told what gender you are yeah. from the minute you're born. And it's like you have to learn how to explore things outside of what you're being told in order to find your true self, basically. A hundred percent. Say people would see me in the character of Faith, certain men, not saying all men, mm -hmm. might find just the sheer fact that I've dressed like that like, uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I would wear a skirt, a dress, whatever else. Mm -hmm. Like, I've done it before, once before, mm -hmm. right? I remember one time, like, my friend's girlfriend makes slip dresses for women, right? Mm -hmm. On my life, the fabric, I got so jealous mm -hmm. of the look of the fabric, yeah. the feeling of that fabric, like the silk, mm -hmm. right? So I said, to her like, yo, can you make me a slip dress? <laughs> For real. Yeah. She made me one. This is what I was trying to say. I put on a hoodie, a baggy mm. hoodie, and I had this slip dress on underneath. When I turned up to this event, I remember this is an event with other people, other like known people, whatever else. It looked as though I w was making a statement. Do you know what I'm trying to say? That like, yeah. I couldn't ever avoid the fact that I was wet. Like it was, mm. it was like, oh right, Jordan's really pushing. But how mad is that? I felt like trapped in the idea that like, oh Jordan's, I can't like, like bro, mm. like people being nice, like yeah man, like do you? But mm. I'm just like, yo, if I'm being real, I just like the feeling of it on my legs. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
Do you know who else gets that a lot? Um, obviously, ASAP Rocky, he's seen wearing skirts. People always just always have something to say about that. But Lil Uzi, because mm. he's got he's got like um he's got a little bit of feminine energy and he wears whatever he wants to. Everybody always attacks him for what he wears and how he dresses, and it's like there's no way he can be straight. And this guy's a little yeah, bit and he's you can tell he's I, such a happy you know individual. Yeah, a hundred percent. And but you know what bugs me the most about that? Yeah, mm. this idea of like hegemonic masculinity. Yeah, where like men know how men dress, what men wear, what men do. Mm. Yeah, smoking cigars, wearing suits. When I hear these people talking about this and that, like that's not fearless. Mm -hmm. Surely fearless is not ever fearing what another man's judgment of you is. Mm -hmm. A, you wouldn't say a goddamn thing about anyone else's choices in life. Mm -hmm. And two, if you wanted to wear what you want, mm -hmm. who kept like, do you know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's true. And I feel like tapping into yourself and being 100% yourself is a true definition of fearless. Because I have queer friends that they live in areas where it's not really, it's not really safe mm. to be queer. And it's like, sometimes they just want to go out and wear whatever they want. And for them to make it down that road to the train station or make it down that road Gangster. to the bus stop and go to where you're going and back and make it safely, that's true fearlessness. Mm. You, you're placed in a world where everybody has been brought up to learn to hate you. I just think, yeah, I just think it's important for people to examine where their judgment of other people's choices comes from. And I think there's a lot of pent up frustration that people aren't allowed to express themselves maybe in the ways that they want to. There's always backlash and also like, there's cancel culture. and Everyone is so hyper visual now and so hyper analyzed that it's like, being yourself is harder now. Mm. Well, thanks for hanging out with me, Jordan. I really appreciated our chat. Thanks for listening, friends. The Red Carpet Treatment will be back with some more juicy fashion, music, and live chats with your favorite artists. Please hit that subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a thing. <laughs>